1: Each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call in number is 1 888 346 9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at IIR Sports One word, com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items of the week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving weekend, lots of sports to watch, especially football, as always, which leads right into my highlight of the week, which was last night's Pittsburgh Steelers buzzer-beating victory over the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. And wide receiver Antonio Brown just put on an absolute show with two, D, two TD catches and a spectacular toe-tapping sideline grab, which set up the winning field goal. So it was just a great game to watch. The game was in Pittsburgh. Of course, the Packers have been having their problems without uh, Aaron Rodgers. Nice to see him warming up on the sideline last night. And throwing the ball for the first time uh, since his injury, but they've had Brett Hundley, who has been at best up and down, trying to do his best to fill the breach, and just played a and he just played a great game, gave the Steelers all they could handle, and uh, it turned into just one of the best Sunday night games of the year, which I don't think a whole lot of people were expecting. Steelers have been on a roll. Packers have not, but uh, it was really a terrifically fun game to watch. Lots of fireworks, lots of passing. Ben Roethlisberger certainly did his part with four touchdown passes, of course, and two of them to Antonio Brown, who has just uh, turned into a magical receiver to watch. They couldn't say enough nice things about him on TV, and uh, last night I thought, was one of his more memorable games and what is just turning into a memorable career. He is just, uh, truly something special. So a great way to end Thanksgiving weekend with that terrific game. And speaking of receivers, Julio Jones finally broke out yesterday. He's only had one touchdown catch this season. Hard to believe. And it's really, I don't think there's much doubt now, Julio Jones and Antonio Brown are at the top of the heap for receivers. Uh, They're just one and one A in whatever order you like. But anyway, Julio uh, had a long-awaited big game, finally made a lot of fantasy owners happy, many of whom would have chosen him as their first pick back when they drafted Early in the fall, and uh, it just hasn't been happening for Julio. Uh, And early on was not happening with the Falcons, but they seem to be starting to hit their stride. And I can't think there's any better way for them to uh, start to revert to last year's form than uh, getting Julio Jones involved again. He had uh, over 10 catches, big-time yardage, and, of course, the touchdowns. And uh, racked up something that sounds like 38 points on the fantasy scale. So, huge, huge day. In other NFL highlights, Kansas City Chiefs continue their serious slide by losing to the Bills, of all people. The Buffalo Bills, who I think many had left for dead after last week's quarterback controversy where they replaced starter Tyrod Taylor with... Rookie Nathan Peterman, who threw the five first-half interceptions. So they went back to Tyrod, who had a great game yesterday and leading them over the Chiefs. And suddenly the Chiefs, who were just a lock. they No, no team got out of the box better than them, save the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, now they're just really headed downhill. And Alex Smith, who was an MVP candidate, the leading MVP candidate just a mere few weeks ago. Uh, There's now chatter of him being replaced by uh, their rookie quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, which would have seemed uh, incomprehensible a mere couple of weeks ago. There was also quite a fight yesterday in the NFL with Michael Crabtree and Aqib Tlaib, It was a big-time football fight, as these fights go, and it reminded me of uh, when Richard Sherman and Michael Crabtree, when Crabtree played for the 49ers, used to go at it a few years back with uh, similar type of situations to what we saw yesterday. So uh, that was really, really uh, something to see, and lastly, uh, the Saints and the Rams clearly showing themselves to be two of the best teams in all of the NFL. Great game to watch. And Alvin Kamara for the Saints just had a huge day. He's a rookie, and he is just really bringing it. So another great NFL Sunday following up what was uh, interesting NFL Thursday, highlighted, of course, by the Chargers uh, beating the Cowboys uh, in the late afternoon game. And Cowboys... uh, have some big-time problems without Ezekiel Elliott, so they play the Redskins Thursday night, and it'll be interesting uh, to watch that game since both teams desperately need a victory to keep their seasons alive. Well, my low light of the week was being at Gillette Stadium yesterday, nearby to where I'm talking to you now, and watching Tom Brady, uh, after a bad snap, that got by him, racing two Dolphin Defenders, big Dolphin Defenders, for the ball, and I and the entire stadium at Gillette literally was holding its breath, uh, screaming that he just let it go. Nobody cares about the fumble, uh, and worried that an injury for uh, TB12 was imminent. He had to run back a solid 10-15 yards, as did uh, uh, the Dolphins' defenders going after the ball. Brady did not recover it. Dolphins did, and actually scored a touchdown. To put them back in the game, but uh, it was all about Brady and him not getting injured. And I think uh, a big reason is his now famous pliability uh, with his training regimen that we're all pretty familiar with. And uh, it certainly looked like it was never more important than the way he hit the ground, rolled around, two big Dolphin defenders rolling around him, over him under him and whatnot, and he just popped right back up, and trust me, it was a happy moment at Gillette Stadium, and meanwhile, the Pats just continue on their roll, seventh straight victory, Uh, Gillette Stadium was really, really juiced up for that game, I think it's the the post-Thanksgiving atmosphere, division opponent, Uh, Patriots have a few more coming up, they still have to go to Miami, and Early December, a couple games against the Bills, and uh, so yeah, uh, still a lot going on in the AFC East. So, Patriots again on a roll, and got off to a good start in the uh, in the division, the all-important division. And my bizarre story of the week was yesterday's Tennessee Greg Schiano situation where they basically hired him as their new head coach, igniting a firestorm on social media and beyond, uh, state legislators expressing their disapproval. This, of course, stems back to the fact that Sandus- er, excuse me, Shiano was on the staff of Jerry Sandusky at Penn State at the same time, and uh, the negative reaction was overwhelming and just really a Uh, crazy, crazy situation at Tennessee. This is not something we see every day. It'll be fascinating to watch, uh, how it all unfolds. Uh, it wasn't pretty yesterday and I don't think it's going to be very pretty, uh, now to say the least. And, uh, so lots more to get to college football was wild as well over the weekend So why don't we take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Bama Magazine, so don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1. 888-346-9144, 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And, A.P., how are you doing today?
4: Hey, I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me
1: on. My pleasure. Well, it's our pleasure as well, and we uh, always love to have you, especially after this weekend, which was uh, pretty epic Weekend in college football. You, of course, have covered the University of Alabama for years, especially during this amazing run of the past few years with national championships. And you were at the Alabama-Auburn game of the weekend, and uh, if not the game of the year. I'm guessing you haven't seen too many performances like that over the years, have you?
4: No, John, I sure haven't. Usually Alabama wins, of course, but in the times that they have lost, it's been a competitive ball game where Alabama's looked prepared and they made some plays, just not enough. But on Saturday, I felt like that Alabama, for some reason, was was baffled by Auburn's offense, and and Alabama's offense was not able to complete passes. They didn't have wide receivers; they were open. If they were, Jalen Hurts didn't see them. The the blocking wasn't sharp and crisp, and and Auburn was totally prepared and. Revved
1: up for that ball game right from the, uh, you know, for in in the first quarter, right, right from the get go. Uh, the crowd looked wild, uh, and you had talked about this on our show last week, uh, and it was all that and more with them just being louder than loud. And of course, at the end of the game, you may or may not have seen this in person, or but they were certainly showing it on TV where the. As the students poured onto the field, they were like numerous ones were like jumping smack into these big hedges. Uh, Did you did you see that? Because it was pretty surreal to watch.
4: I I saw some of the replays, but I was right in the middle of it myself,
1: John. I was right smack dab in the center. Yeah, it was pretty bizarre that they were fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars for letting the fans storm the field. Uh, I I don't see that too often. Their
4: defense. No, no, I ah. think it was the third offense, John. I think that was, I think that was the nature of the, the, you know, how come the figure was so big.
1: Oh, okay. The third offense this year or? Ever? Over time.
4: O- over time. Yeah, we had received an email with, uh, with that, I think, the night of the ball game after it was all said and done
1: right away. Really? About the fine? About the fine, right? Oh, my God! I read it briefly. But that's what I recall. It was th- the third offense, and it was over time, too. It was over a few years. Yeah, well, you know, there was one a few years back for the for the kick six, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, th- there's been a few, and you know, certainly that's what everybody was expecting, and it was, you know, totally swarmed the field. I mean, tens of thousands to put it mildly. Uh, but the atmosphere looked fantastic. You've been to a number of Iron Bowls. Was it uh, right up there with some of the All Timers that you've seen? Yes,
4: absolutely. It sure was. I mean, it was loud, uh, as we discussed last week, and there's no question, Auburn is a difficult place to win. And if you happen to escape
1: with a victory, it's like a victory and a half. Correct. Well, they've knocked off two number one teams at at Jordan Harris Stadium in three weeks. That's just, frankly, unheard of. And so now that just brings us to, you know college football playoff and how it's all going to unfold. A lot of people are excited about you know or interested shall we say to what the rankings will be tomorrow night, but we all know that it really doesn't matter all that much. It just it's more about teams being put in position, shall we say, but it's all about the conference championship games coming up this weekend and I'm sure that's weird for you. I mean, I'm sure you had your reservations in Atlanta ready for the SEC yeah. championship game. Alabama, Georgia. I ready, which is...
4: Yeah, I was ready to head to ATL, John. You're right about that situation, but uh, Alabama's going to have to sit home and and see what happens with these other teams and the conference championships, and and just stand with their resume at eleven and one.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's going to seem strange, Alabama not being in the SEC championship game. It's just like a annual event. You just uh, can go to the bank with it, but. Not this Saturday. Uh, So what do you think, AP? I mean, I guess it's really impossible to predict what could happen until after the conference championship games. And I mean, what could happen for Alabama? It's really 100% dependent on who falls and who doesn't. Correct. The, The best hopes for Alabama would be for Auburn to
4: win, number one, because they're on your schedule and they beat you. So you want them to continue winning. Uh, number two, you want TCU to upset Oklahoma. Now that's probably wishful thinking because I, I don't remember the exact score, but it was pretty substantial when they played Oklahoma the last time. Number three, you want to see Ohio State beat an unbeaten Big Ten team, Wisconsin. So then, what happens is Ohio State would win the game, TCU would win the game, then Alabama would be in the discussion
1: for. The fourth spot. And how about in the ACC? Would you want to see? Would Alabama fans want to see? I'm guessing Miami beat Clemson.
4: Well, I'm thinking the opposite actually, because Clemson beat Auburn. Oh yeah, so that, that's that, right. It makes Remember them that game? A strong team because I think Clemson will be number one. I think they'd have Clemson number one. Let's say Auburn number two. Uh, If Oklahoma wins out, that'll be three, and then you have Wisconsin. So that's why I'm saying if Alabama is able to sneak in, it'll be at the probably the fourth position, because they wouldn't want to have Auburn be playing Alabama in California.
1: Right. Yeah. Good point. Well, it's uh, yeah, it is going to be fascinating to say the least. I can imagine the post game press conference. A lot of people were probably in a bit of a state of shock. The media, the media people that cover Alabama.
4: Yes, because they had not seen Alabama have so many miscues. As you mentioned the crowd; you saw those two snaps that errant snaps that came into the backfield and went on a third and fourth down. I mean, that was I couldn't believe what I was watching, and that was that was due incredible to the noise level. Yeah, that was due to the noise level. That was explained to us. I think one of the running backs tried to get the offensive line's attention. I think the way it was explained. And of course that was they were using the hand clap so the person snapping the ball said well there's
1: the hand clap, let's snap it. Right. And it was Bo Scarbo clapping his hands as opposed to Jalen Hurts, right? Correct, correct. That's right. Yeah, and it was two plays in a row, as I remember. Two two
4: consecutive plays, it's fine if it's first down, second down, but it was third and fourth.
1: Yeah, that was incredible. And you know, we had a repeat of that yesterday at Gillette Stadium with uh, the Patriots, and some like Alabama, something you don't see too often. And just as an aside to our conversation, I, I've never seen Gillette Stadium quite like it with everybody, and I mean everybody holding their breath as Brady and two Dolphin defenders went chasing 10, 15 yards after that ball and then all just like dove for it. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen Gillette Stadium hold its breath like that and half the stadium was screaming – let it go. Let it go. It was incredible to watch, uh, obviously. Uh, the the big concern not being the fumble whatsoever, being Tom Brady not getting injured. But, hey, a tribute to pliability, right?
4: Absolutely. He,
1: he, he just rolled around on the ground and popped right up and no big deal. So whatever he's doing uh, with his training regimen is working. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, it's uh, – It's clearly you and I have followed the college football playoff very closely, been to some of those national championship games, and uh, it's feeling like it's not in any way, shape, or form going to go as scripted, uh, whatever that script might be, which I guess would be favorites winning this coming weekend. It's just, it's that kind of year, and it was certainly that kind of weekend. I, of course, am from western Pennsylvania, so absolutely loved watching Pitt on friday the day after thanksgiving rise up and really handle miami you know rather easily i mean they you know uh you know Pitts along the lines of boston college for me where you know uh every every few years they rise up and just shock the world with these upsets in both football and basketball and uh Friday was Pitt's day, and it was wonderful to see uh, at Heinz Field. Yeah, there's no
4: question that Pittsburgh, that was a huge surprise. I was listening to the game as I was driving to Auburn, and you just had that feeling that Miami was not ready to compete,
1: and they were looking ahead to the
4: game against Clemson.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, No doubt about it. I mean, there was no other way you can look at it, whether it was – Fine. as Miami like as you're going to find in Western PA the day after Thanksgiving that's for sure. sunny and brisk at worst and uh, yeah, so all credit to Pitt. They just simply uh, you know came to play. Of course uh, we all remember that last year Pitt beat Clemson in Clemson and uh, I for one remember well when uh, they went into West Virginia into Mountaineer Field uh years back and beat uh beat the Mountaineers who were poised to play in a BCS national championship bowl. Uh and they were at home and Pitt shocked the world that night too. And I've actually covered some backyard brawls in the past and uh which is what the Pitt West Virginia game is called and so it was pretty crazy uh you know for them to do that. So bottom line, they've beaten three number two teams in the past uh decade or less uh every one of them being a a total shocker but speaking of shocker AP uh pretty incredible you know with both game results and coaching situations but we need to get I think right to the Tennessee situation I mean that is just that's something we've never really seen before, a guy that's literally hired and fired, Greg Schiano, as the head coach, hired and fired on the same day due to a negative reaction, whether it's social media, fans, apparently state legislators, and Tennessee, uh, again, in the span of a number of hours, hired and fired a coach. So it's pretty crazy.
4: I don't really understand, John, the rush—I mean, I, well, I understand how they wanted to find out as quickly as possible, but Tennessee should have came out with this statement that said, we're looking at this particular individual, we thoroughly vetted him, and we found there's no evidence that based on the facts and reports. I mean, you, know, you wanted to s- dismiss those other things that were going on social media, but they were not able to to uh, stop the tsunami of bad publicity and the bad vibes directed towards their next head coach.
1: Exactly, it was just crazy. Um, of course, Greg Schiano served on the Penn State staff uh, during some of the same years that Jerry Sandusky was on that staff. That's it. That, uh, that's the that's the reason. Um, but, yeah, it was just uh, – Tennessee's had, you know, a rough couple of years. and But this is, for them, you know, I think a, a new low. And, again, as it would be for any school who found themselves in this situation and reacted the way they did, you know. Uh, it's just not something you see often, if ever. So we'll see where it goes from here. But you have to imagine that any candidate's – Uh, would be shying away from that job right now, uh, to say the least.
4: John, I just could never figure out now, with Tennessee's making all these accusations, or believing them, I should say, what are the folks at Ohio State saying?
1: I was wondering that, too. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, Greg Shiano wasn't sitting at home, you know, waiting for a call. He has been the Ohio State offensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, for the last year or two. The, the defensive coordinator. Defensive, okay. Defensive coordinator. Uh, High-profile yeah. position, to put it mildly. And uh, yeah, I I thought the same thing, AP, and no one. You're the first person that's mentioned it. But, you know all the highlights of him that they were showing, the footage, or of course him on the Ohio State sidelines, probably from Saturday against the, you know, in the Michigan game. Yeah, I mean it's unbelievable how you're able to
4: uh, you know, impugn the character of a, a current defensive coordinator in the Big Ten, and, and then you back off you, a, a memorandum that says they're gonna, you're going to become the coach of Tennessee. To, and then all of a sudden, now the Buckeyes, they're left in this predicament. What do we say about Greg Shiano? We have to stand up now. I mean, I think they would because you know how this recruiting operates, John. Things are said on the recruiting trail, and no one holds back.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Obviously, when Greg Schiano was hired with the Buckeyes, you know, I, I recall none, nothing of this topic being mentioned whatsoever. I'm, so I'm quite sure it wasn't. It's not the kind of thing, you, you know, that you would miss. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a very good point. Where does it leave him and Ohio State? You know, Uh Crazy, just crazy. You know, is he still employed there? Did they know he was, you know, would they stick by him? Would they be bothered that he was willing to leave? Did they not have any idea? Although it's always accepted generally for anyone to leave to take a head coaching job. That's typically not questioned, but who knows what's going on behind the scenes there, but I'm sure it's pretty interesting as well. Yeah, and John, all these people
4: are now having to come out in support of Greg Shano. I think Bill Belichick just made a statement not too long ago this morning maybe it was and um some other people Urban Meyer of course he has to stand by Greg Schiano, but I don't know if this is the
1: I don't I don't think this is the end of the story oh I agree I agree this has this one has legs as we say in the media and uh yeah Bill Belichick and Schiano have had a long-standing relationship uh most anyone who follows the Patriots know that there's a pipeline of uh, Patriot draftees from Rutgers, many of them who played under Shiano. Uh So, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, well, AP, hard to believe we've come to the end of our first segment. So why don't we take a break? Still a whole lot more to get to on the other side.
2: on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome
1: back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call in number is 1 888 346 9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call in expert, AP Studham, of Bama Magazine. And AP, we were talking about the Greg Schiano situation in Tennessee, uh, but that wasn't the only crazy. Uh, quote firing, uh, that we saw over the weekend, and of, cu- of course I'm referring to uh, what would be a what a, you know what is now overshadowed by the Shiano situation, but the way Arkansas fired Brett Bioma, apparently, uh, you know they they took him into a room as he was running off the field after their game on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving and just fired him right there. And apparently a lot of the reasoning was just that he, he could literally, you know, players would be scattering after the game, and that he could literally, like, say goodbye or whatever to his players. This all happened within five to ten minutes after their loss. Uh, am I describing that pretty accurately based on what you've heard? or?
4: Yeah, I I, I guess those are the reports, but I mean, in some ways, maybe that's a good idea i mean what, right. what's the difference if i mean it really it's it's taking consideration taking into consideration the chance that he can meet with the team right, right at that moment
1: well exactly um yeah, well, most importantly you know he he didn't seem to have a problem with the timing Bioma himself uh where, for the very reasons we're talking about, he did get to say, you know, and kind of an official goodbye to his players, and uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they were catching a lot of heat on Friday, uh, Arkansas, the the Arkansas administration, but yeah, uh, you, you know, uh, there's something to be said for it, you know. I, I don't think there's anything worse than just, you know. Being a dead man walking, so to speak, when it's just completely obvious you're going to be fired. But, you know, a few days pass and it's just everybody's in limbo and the media is going crazy. So, yeah, again, a lot of people were jumping all over that story Friday. But that now is just, you know, on the back burner, given the, uh, you know, given the Shiano situation, which is just at a new level from what we've seen. So, Brett Bielma, it's uh, you know, I guess the, the, the fi- in the final analysis, I saw a chart of you know where he of his win losses versus SEC teams versus his win losses against the rest of the world, and it was pretty dramatic. So you got to beat the SEC teams, right? Absolutely, you
4: have to beat your rivals, and you have to in that Western SEC Western Division. It's very difficult. Um, you know, with Alabama over there and LSU and some of the other teams that have played well through the years. So, it's not, not enough victories. That's a very simple
1: equation to determine the outcome. Exactly, yeah. Uh, well, it's a interesting place in the SEC. West is particularly interesting uh, because Kevin Sumlin from Texas A&M was also let go. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was only—it seems like yesterday—that he was like the darling of the coaching world with, the course, Johnny Manziel, and uh, that's—you know—it lasted a few years, but it feels like it ended quickly because he's sort of been on the hot seat for a year or two at least.
4: Yeah, he was able to win a certain amount of games, and uh, but but he, it was a plateau, and he—you know—the defense was struggling forever. I mean, they they have their moments stacking quarterbacks, but overall they couldn't stop people. So you have a team that is, is one-sided and it's always the same, the same script: high-scoring. If we can outlast them.
1: exactly, and uh, you know, sticking with the SEC West. I mean, you know, there's a, a lot going on there. AP, nobody knows it better than you. That's who who you cover. Uh, Dan Mullen, of course was hired by Florida from Mississippi State. So the, cha- the you know the coaching changes in the SEC West are, are just gargantuan, right?
4: Well, you have Ole Miss and you thought they were going to reach out to someone else and they ended up hiring the interim coach, Matt Luke. You have okay. uh, Mississippi State, they lose their coach to Florida. Texas A&M fires Kevin Summers, Brett Bielema is fired by Arkansas. Um, uh, you know, even Auburn, there was whispers of Gus Malzahn hearing from Arkansas to to replace Brett Bilema, right? Because and he's from there. So far, Alabama So so satisfied with their
1: coach, and I guess LSU too. Wow, that's pretty amazing. It's easier to keep track of the coaches who weren't fired than it is of the coach or didn't change jobs, whatever. <laughs> uh, than just looking at what is it two out of six. Or just stay and put. And uh, Gus Malzahn, that remains to be seen. Let's not forget, Gus Malzahn is an Arkansas native, correct? That's where he grew Uh, up, correct? correct. Great
4: high school coach there was on the staff at Arkansas with Houston.
1: Oh, okay. All right. I I don't think I realized. I knew he was a great high school coach. I don't know that I knew he was actually on the Arkansas staff. Well, one thing's for sure, as we saw with Urban Meyer leaving Florida to go to Ohio State, uh... The pool to go home, you know, where you grew up, can be very powerful, even though Gus Malzahn is riding high right now at Auburn, obviously. Uh, These things can be very, very unpredictable when when you're talking about returning to your native state to coach that state's flagship program. Um, So I, I think that could get actually pretty interesting.
4: Yeah, John, I mean, you've seen this before in the past when his coaches has been very successful and they maybe went to the pros or another team or, you know, there was always some drama at the end when he's trying to finish out their season with a successful team.
1: Yeah, we even saw it to a minor degree where Chip Kelly, who's a New Hampshire native up here in New England, but he, uh, you know, he was in the running apparently for Florida, if not the favorite and then you know ends up in UCLA great job you know downtown Los Angeles and then uh and that's because you know he's from you know coached at Oregon at great success at Oregon but bottom line I think the kicker there was he had uh you know he, he knows recruiting in California and uh getting all those players from California up to Oregon to play, and uh, yeah, but, you know, the whole thing, I don't know, you know, how how you read it, but the whole Florida thing seemed pretty confusing, Florida and Chip Kelly. It was like, he seemed like the leading candidate, and next thing you know, it's like, he's not even being considered, he's out of the running, is what I saw. So that all seemed a little strange. Yeah, I think UCLA, they wanted to make
4: sure that he was aware that, we're looking for a coach, but they acted quickly in firing Jim Mora. Right. And so, you know, that lure of the West Coast, and it's funny how, and I've heard people say this, it's funny to me, Chip Kelly, he's a West Coast guy, and I'm thinking, uh, somebody from Manchester, New Hampshire is now a West they, Coast guy.
1: Exactly right, obviously. uh <laughs> based here in Boston, and I know New Hampshire very well, and, and yeah. Chip Kelly's history up here. And, yeah, you he, he, he definitely can't call him a West Coast guy. Not when you're from New Hampshire, trust me.
4: Yeah, I mean, Manchester Central, and he graduated from University of New Hampshire, you know, played uh, quarterback there, I guess, and a uh, defensive back in University of New Hampshire, but played ice hockey and basketball. But he was at Nevada early in his career for a couple of years, and the other whole, whole time is, you know, Columbia, uh, New Hampshire, New uh, Hampshire. And he was at Oregon starting in 2007, so that's about 10, 11 years ago. And then he coached in the pros Philadelphia and San Francisco. But it's funny to hear everyone say he's a West Coast guy.
1: I know. It, I, you definitely are thinking exactly like me because uh, he just isn't. And, uh, but fascinating coaching career. He's a fascinating guy, fascinating individual, to put it mildly. So I think he landed in a good spot for him. You know, if he has that California recruiting thing down, uh, he, he, he'll do well. Period. Um, and this time, he won't have to drag him. You know, three states north to Oregon. Uh, he'll just have him come right down the right down the street for many of them in the obviously in the Los Angeles area to play uh, play in Westwood at UCLA, which is uh, you know I think a pretty big lore, Not to mention you play your games in the Rose Bowl. There's I you know, I, I think he's going to do very, very well there. I really do.
4: Yeah, one thing about Chip Kelly, um, I'm not positive, but I heard that he, he didn't like to recruit, but he knows those people in California, and he won't have to travel far because Los Angeles, I mean, 100 miles, around 200 miles, that's all. He can just stay right there and make
1: some short trips. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, AP, it's incredible how much is going on. It happens earlier and earlier every year, it seems, with coaching changes and whatnot. And this year seems like the earliest ever Thanksgiving weekend, uh, and before, and before. Let's not forget Jim McIlwain was fired a while back, not to mention Butch Jones, So it's high, and, and Jim Mora. So it's happening earlier. It gives us a lot to talk about on Thanksgiving weekend. Not that we need it, because so much going on, and we still have a few more things to get to, which we'll do on the other side of this final break.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Sports and medicine go hand in hand.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice
1: America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is simply all the conference championship games this Saturday. I'm not going to single anyone out since they're all intertwined. Of course, A.P., Clemson, Oklahoma and Wisconsin all rolled to big victories on Saturday. So here we go with the conference championship weekend. It actually gets underway Friday, Stanford and USC. And then uh, on Saturday, boy, what a big day it's going to be for football. Kicks off at noon with Memphis and University of Central Florida. And oh, by the way, Central Florida and South Florida had a fantastic game on Friday. That was awesome Friday evening. UCF is undefeated. Then early afternoon, 12.30 Eastern Time, TCU in Oklahoma. 4 o'clock, Georgia and Auburn. Fresno State and Boise State comes in. And then Saturday night, 8 p.m., both of them Miami-Clemson, Ohio State-Wisconsin. So, wow. I hadn't quite looked at the schedule till this very moment. So, uh, Saturday's going to be a lot of fun
4: you better be exercising your wrist because you're going to be tapping yeah. that TV control quite a bit. Exactly right. Get those fingers, get, the, get those fingers warmed up because that's quite a lineup. I me. I don't know if I recall people being so interested in every game, uh, conference championship, like they are for this weekend.
1: Well, that is the beauty of it. Hence my remark at the beginning of the segment that, you know, you really can't pick one. They're all intertwined. Uh, you know, it's the classic big-picture scenario where, you know, every game is its own little chapter in an overall bigger book because, you know, I don't think we're going to know much of anything until midnight on Saturday, the way I see it.
4: Yeah, absolutely, John. I mean, you look at the Stanford-USC game, Stanford went down 42-24. to 24. That was in Los Angeles. Well, USC has to turn around now, and they had head north up to – the uh, San Francisco 49ers Stadium, Levi's Stadium, which is, correct. by the way, will be the championship site for next season, national championship site for next season, for the college football playoff. That's correct. Yes, the, good point. College football playoff, and then you have, you know, Oklahoma is going to face TCU, and they ran up a pretty big score the last time they got together. You know, Baker Mayfield, if he can, quit all his antics on the sideline and before the games, uh, you know, they'd be heavily favored. Uh, they, they ran up a big score, 38-20 to 20, last time they played, and that was in Norman, Oklahoma. So now they're going to go down to right near with the TCU Horned Frogs play in Arlington, Texas, you know, Fort Worth is next door. So, yeah, uh, good good venue for TCU to have a chance, maybe, to, to stay close. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Where's that game going to be played? In Jerry World? Jerry will correct. Yep. Okay. Well, that's a, that. Literally, like you said, TCU's backyard. Uh, but Oklahoma fans know how to get there to Dallas. That's for sure. <laughs> they sure do. That's, that's, oh yeah, uh,
4: Oklahoma, Oklahoma South there. Then,
1: right. And you have Ohio, Ohio
4: State. Who, every once in a while, they they they're inspired. They're playing at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Wisconsin. Those Badger fans, they'll be out there in droves. As will the Ohio State fan. That'll be. I bet it's a pretty tough ticket.
1: Oh, that's going to be a great atmosphere. I, of course, you know, watched the Penn State Wisconsin game last year. Just a fabulous conference championship game, and you know, Wisconsin hasn't forgotten what went on. Uh, you know, a lot went on in that game. Uh, most notably, that Wisconsin, at points, had you know, two score leads. And they just couldn't shake Penn State. And uh, so the, the, there's a little bit of, you know, uh, that I guarantee that game is sticking with uh, Wisconsin with players and fans. Because uh, there were moments during that game against Penn State last year when it was just there for the taking, it seemed, for Wisconsin. And they just, Penn State just kept coming. So that is going to be... Fascinating to watch, and uh, and AP. I got to imagine you're awfully interested about uh, you know Georgia and Auburn. I mean, you know both teams so well. Kirby Smart, who you covered at Alabama for so many years, uh, you know, he's the coach of Georgia, but of course, most importantly, uh, Auburn blew them out when they were the number one team in the country a mere three weeks ago. I mean, completely out them in every facet of the game. So I and many others are very interested to see how Georgia responds. And I'm guessing they're glad to have the chance.
4: Yes, I think so, especially being in, in H-A-L-G-A. You know, all those right. fans over there, they, they they had about three weeks now, December, about that bad performance over at Auburn. So they're, they're cranked up, and Kirby Smart, this is kind of a signature moment for him, possibly. Uh, he can get, him, get his team to win the SEC championship and, and get to the playoffs and probably end up maybe, I don't know if he would be number one in that scenario or number two, but it'd be right up there, one or two, probably.
1: Yes, and Athens is, if I remember correctly, an hour or less from Atlanta. And even Auburn, yeah, very close, very close, practically a suburb. Uh, And if I remember correctly also, uh, Auburn is not all that far, correct?
4: Uh, Probably less than two hours, two hours or less.
1: Wow. So that's going to be a spectacular atmosphere.
4: Oh, yeah, it'll be great. And I want to see how Jarrett and performed. He was magnificent on Saturday, John. He was. you know, he, he uh, read all the coverages, delivered the ball with accuracy and, and precision, and he was timely. He showed his ability to uh, continue the play with his legs. He commanded the, the offense. He showed great leadership. And I, I just thought he was the best player on the field.
1: I agree. And I was surprised uh, at how mobile he was. He had uh, some excellent runs. Big time, in big moments. And uh, so he went to Baylor as a freshman. Then he sat out last year. There's a lot of talk about him being, you know, uh, hanging out at a high school field, I guess, last year for his eligibility, right. awaiting his eligibility. So it's a good story. It's a good story. And you and I have talked about him a lot, and we both kind of sensed he might be, uh, you know, the moment was his for the taking on Saturday, and he took it.
4: He didn't show any signs of, of being uh, nervous. He had one fumble and uh, you know got sacked once. But five times on third down, he completed a pass. And the sixth time, he ran for the first down. had a touchdown running. He needed the conference in completion percentage, I believe, it's around 68%, 69%. I had a chance to visit with Jarrett briefly after the game. Uh, I was there for the entire interview. I was right in front of him, actually and uh, in the media room and uh, he's just a very pleasant person and he, he was confident and you could see that he had a personality that people would gravitate towards him.
1: Right, right. Well, he was impressive in his post-game interview. So, you know, good for him. And the other game that we, last game we need to discuss Miami Clemson already sort of talked about Miami and their loss to Pitt on Friday, but you know, it's hard to believe since they're defending national champions but Clemson has just you know solidly been in the top four all year long and they might be the only one actually and you know it's kind of like they're again as defending national champions they're kind of you know not being talked about a lot I won't say ignored but you know they're not the team everybody's talking about which I think is uh a testament to Dabo and the consistent program he's now running. Yeah, John, I think that if
4: Miami or Clemson wins this game, I think particularly Clemson, they, they might be the number one. You know, like, like I said, Georgia, if they beat Auburn. But it's right. going to be kind of tricky, tricky for the committee to see who they put at number one because it's so important because the game would be in New Orleans if you're number one, if you're Clemson or Georgia or Miami, or, you, or if you got gotten to the two or three
1: position and somebody from that region was above you, you're, you're headed to Pasadena. Right, if you're number one, you're obviously playing the number four seed. So theoretically, you're getting, quote, the easiest team, as if there is one, but so right. a lot of, I mean, a lot of the incentive geografi- there.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of incentive. Geographically, you, you want to be as close as you can to have your
1: fans not have as much of, of, of a burden. Correct, yeah. Clemson to New Orleans is uh, not any big... It's drivable, to put it mildly. So, uh, right. so, yeah, Clemson of course lost earlier in the year to Syracuse on a Friday night. Shocker at the time, but their quarterback was hurt a little bit in that game and uh, yes. so they, they've been getting, you know, that's been factored into the CFP who is well aware that their quarterback was not 100% that night, so... They, I won't say they've been getting a pass, but they've been, uh, the loss has not been as devastating as some losses are to other teams.
4: No, absolutely. They kind of got excused from that and um, you know, it was on the road. So that, that makes a yep. difference as well. The committee always looks at where did you play the game. Yep, That's absolutely. In the eyes of the committee. So, sometime, sometime. But oh, yeah Miami's one of Miami te- Miami's one of these teams that they had that knockout punch against um, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech um, Florida State was a close game because Florida State I guess was still interested in playing football at that point in early october uh right but so you know they fell short against Pittsburgh looking ahead, but now all their attention's on Clemson, and you know they uh, Miami knows how to win in the closing moments, you know they showed against Florida State and the league uh uh the quarterback from Mobile, Alabama he's their quarterback Malik and he threw that nice pass instead of going for the field goal, which Mark Brick I guess encouraged. It worked out to their favor and they
1: won the game instead of having to tie it. Right, Malik Rogier, uh yeah. who by the way, final thought, was benched in the second half. It was bizarre out of the pit game and then he ended up coming back in. But uh anyway, A P great job. It's gonna be a great weekend coming up. Conference championship weekend, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it, as will I, and we'll look forward to talking again next week. Thank you for calling in today. Hey, John, it's my pleasure. I really enjoyed this uh, show today. Me too, me too. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern
0: Time.